You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. He's someone that I've read all of his books. I've known him from afar, and I, it's an honor to have him on the show today. His name is Jeffrey Gittimer, and he's an American author, a professional speaker, a business trainer who writes and lectures internationally on sales, customer loyalty, and personal development. He lives in Charlotte with his family. Jeffrey has written over 15 books, including New York Times best-selling book, The Sales Bible, which I have on my bookshelf right next to me. Has sold. He also has many other books, including the Little Gold Book of Yes Attitude and the Little Red Book of Selling, which has sold over five million copies and has been translated into fourteen languages. So I could keep going, but I'd much rather just welcome to the show. Please keep going, please. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Jeffrey. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Yeah, Uh, you know when people say I lecture. It makes it sound like I'm going to get some kid in the corner and go, you made that sale all wrong, you bastard. You know, I want to, I give talks. I try to give customized talks on how to make more sales, how to be a better person. But the word lecture connotates me back to the 60s when I was in college. Yeah, but I'll bet if you sat down with somebody and you were coaching them one-on-one, that conversation might change a little bit. You might be a little more harsh because you're not a guy who you know, who pulls the punches. Oh yeah. There's no doubt about that. But if I'm talking to a group, I don't know that I would call it maybe a seminar or a keynote or something like that. It's semantics, but the word lecture is just an old word. Yeah, you know you're I mean? right. You're right. It's prob- probably not the perfect word okay. for it, but, yeah. but in any event, you, you said I'm Philly that automatically makes me a horse's ass. <laughs> I would have been fine with that. <laughs> All right. So we're off to the races. No lack of conversation here. I, I really appreciate you being here and I'm being Totally sincere. I've been a fan from afar for a very long time. As a matter of fact, I think you used to have a corporate sales training product, which was like an online training. I think it was called Ace of Sales. Did you ever have that? Yep. So I'm still an owner in Ace of Sales, but right now I have a thing called the Gittimer Learning Academy, uh-huh. which is a total online program from assessment to certification and about a thousand hours in the middle of things that I've recorded in my studio that are like gold. Well, the reason why I mentioned that is because when I had my old company before I sold it, it was a third-party logistics company. I'd shared with you a little bit about that in the pre-interview. You know, we mm-hmm. actually subscribed to that and I actually had all my cool. salespeople that, you know, that were a part of that curriculum and it was extremely helpful and oh, again, yeah. you know, it wasn't cheap, but it was definitely worth the value by far. I mean, the return on investment was very, very good for us. That's great to know. It's now called Outstand and you can still subscribe. It's an email program that has tremendous graphic arts in it. It'll meld with your CRM, but it will send emails that nobody else sends. Love it. And Arc is still sold by email. Perfect. Well, listen, today we're going to talk about 
something, you know, I think it's a really interesting topic and it's something we've never talked about. So I'm always excited about that. And that is, what is your competitive advantage? How do you go into your customers and win, right? So, you know, it's not the same old sales diatribe that we see, you know, everywhere and anywhere. We're going to kind of pull this apart a little bit. And I'm really looking forward to you doing that. So, you know, I know that, you know, we could continue blabbering about, you know, Philly and Buffalo and everything, but I'd much rather dive in because I about Buffalo. Yeah. Other than you're in the restaurant, they just call them wings, right? They don't call them Buffalo wings because you're already in Buffalo. That's right. If you call them Buffalo wings in Buffalo, you're just an ass. It's like calling them a Philly's cheesesteak in Philly. They, right. they beat the crap out of you. You yeah, got okay. it. You got it. So if you could unpack that for us, that would be fantastic. You know, again, what is your competitive advantage and how do you go into your customers and ensure that you win? So unpack that for us a little bit. We'll get a little bit of dialogue going and we'll rock from there. The first thing people have to understand is that a competitive advantage doesn't have anything to do directly with your competitor. You may think it's something that you have that the competition doesn't have, but if you have a bunch of crap that your customer doesn't need and your, and your competition doesn't have it, there's no advantage. So a competitive advantage is defined as follows. Something that you have and you're excellent at it and you have an expertise at it that your customer needs. So if you have it and your customer needs it and you have the best, then you have an advantage. Okay. And that is the most misunderstood part of having a competitive advantage. I'm going to give you an example. If you have the best quality of automobile in a given category, if you have a Tesla, and the other guy doesn't have an electric car, you have a competitive advantage if the customer wants it. If the customer doesn't want it, you have no competitive advantage. Right. It might actually be a disadvantage. I have no charging station. I can't plug it in any place. You guys have Teslas up in Buffalo? We don't have a dealership, but you see them driving around. You don't have a dealership in I don't Buffalo? Think, I don't think there's a Tesla dealership in Buffalo. Have you heard? I don't know. I actually looked at one a couple of years ago. And the reason why I know there's not one here is because I was considering buying one and I did and I there wasn't anything local, so I was figuring from a service perspective, it'd be a pain in the ass. I would buy one. You, know, you can probably go to Rochester and get it fixed. <laughs> That's true. I didn't check Rochester. Huh? I didn't check Rochester. They probably do have it, believe it or not. Yeah. But, it, you know, that's the Tesla's the new thing. And I want the new thing because I want to be perceived as being up to date, current, with the market. And that's important to my customer. They want to perceive me as a at least current, if not an industry standard setter. Got it. And you can say whatever you want about Tesla, but they're setting the standard. Yeah, for sure. So I think when you look at it that way, that's definitely a competitive advantage. But let me ask you this. You know, I came from the B2B service industry, right? I told you we were third-party logistics companies. So do me a favor, kind of dissect that a little bit because you hear this term and I'm not a big believer in it, but you hear this term where, you know, your product or service has been commoditized, right? Where a lot of the decisions are based upon price or the organization or salespeople think it's based on price. You know, from a competitive advantage there, one of the things that we did was we leveraged technology to change our processes, make them more efficient, create more transparency for our customers. You know, that's something that we did, right? So that's an example of what you're talking about. Yeah. So whatever it is, if you're, if it's 55 foot trailers or something as easy as a pallet, you put technology into it, you can trace it and track it anywhere. And now your customer at their dashboard can see where every one of their units is. And that's what they're hoping for. So you have advanced yourself with technology. Now, your competitor may also have that same technology. So you have to have something better. 
You can't be the same and have a competitive advantage. You have to be different, better, and perceived by the customer as more valuable. If I think it has value and my customer doesn't think it has value, it has no value. And there's a real easy way to dissect that in a way that all of your listeners will understand. All right, perfect. Go ahead. Everybody has what is known as a value proposition or some kind of value prop or some kind of value statement. And they're all bullshit. It's somebody in a marketing department that comes up with something that they perceive has a value to somebody else. It's like added value or value add. Totally bogus pieces of information. Because as your customer, if I perceive it's not the value that you think it is, then it is of no value. And most of the time, one of those value props is only valuable after I purchase. I want something that's going to help me in advance of my purchase. Why wouldn't I do that to create a competitive advantage? So for example, if I'm selling life insurance to somebody, I love homeowner's insurance. If I'm selling homeowner's insurance, that's a pretty commoditized item, don't you think? Yeah, I'd agree. So somebody just buys a new home and I'm an insurance agent and I go buy their home and I have listen, um, you don't know me. I'm with State Farm or whatever. I'm an agent. And of course, I'd like your business. But what I do with every new homeowner is I give them this booklet. And this booklet has the 25 things that you need to know in order to build the equity in your home. And it goes everywhere from keeping your attic cool in the summer and warm in the winter to preventing your sidewalk from cracking to where are the five most vulnerable parts of your home that a burglar might break into to where are the top five places to go within an hour of your home so that you can have full enjoyment of your community. It's my compliment, welcome to the neighborhood gift to you. Cool. And sir, if you don't mind, we keep doing research. I'd like to send you my weekly email magazine that goes further than this book does, but tells you only fun things about the community. Is that fair enough? Yes. Uh, yeah. So what have I done? I've created a perception that I'm a helper, not a sales guy. But is my logo going to be on there? Yeah. Am I from time to time going to put something in there that might reflect what I do? Yeah. Eventually, is this guy going to ask me for some kind of a quote or some kind of a meeting? Yeah. And I'm going to get that business because I've earned it. Love it. So I'm going to make a, I'm going to share a quote with you that I heard. I'm not sure who said it, but it's coming to uh -huh. mind. So I want you to pull it apart. Okay. Different is better than better. You mentioned something before where you said you need to be better and you need to be unique and you need to have this value proposition. Yeah, but it, And better. If you're only different, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean you're better. So I'm, I don't know who said it and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because I have friends that write on differentiation. I'm just telling you that if I don't perceive as your customer that there is value beyond price, if I don't perceive that I'm going to benefit from this beyond what I'm paying for it, then there's no value. Got I'm it. going to pay another 10 grand for a Tesla because I perceive that it's a better value. I'm tired of paying three bucks a gallon for gas. How about you? Yeah, for sure. I'm tired of having stupid cars that don't work. Yep. And makes I, sense. I don't want to wait for a 3,000 mile oil change and have my car there all day done by an idiot. And at the end, they go, well, we forgot to check the tires. So you had to come back again tomorrow. Like, dude. <laughs> but the Tesla, it tells you everything about your car. You just go in to the dashboard and you click a couple of buttons and it will tell you what your tire pressure is. It'll tell you what your oil pressure is. It'll tell you every single thing you need to know without anybody. And that's the value of that car. Damn. I made, you know, I made a huge mistake before hitting record on this podcast. You know what I did? 
I forgot to reach out to, to Elon Musk and let him know that I needed some sponsorship dollars, bro, <laughs> because we're promoting the shit out of Tesla. So oh, no, I love it. Example of somebody that set the industry on here. <laughs> Do you know how you can tell Tesla is going to be successful? Every major automobile manufacturer is suing them to try to keep them from opening up shops. Yeah, good point. The same with Uber. The taxi cab companies are suing the crap out of Uber. For what? Having good service? Clean cars that don't smell like vomit? People that can speak English? Come on. They got, they have it. And now you can see your car coming around the corner. And what kind of a car it's going to be. And the driver's name is Bob. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. You're no money, right. no credit card, no nothing. Just walk in, walk out. Yeah, that's a perfect example of ha- being some, having a unique value proposition, something of that course. differentiates you. And so what else? Let's talk about this a little bit more. Because you, you, know, you sure. mentioned, you, know, you gave an example, right? Could we, let's dive into a couple more examples. Let's talk in the B2B realm a little bit, if you don't mind, because that's where a lot yeah. of my audience is. They're selling maybe software Copy. or some sort yeah. of B2B service or whatever. Some like copiers. Yeah. Copiers is a great one. Everybody hates the copier sales guy, right? So why don't we talk about that a little bit? Tell us, okay, give so us some I'm, examples. I'm the copier sales guy and I have two choices. I can walk in to the person at the front desk and say, I'd like to speak to the office manager who's in charge of making decisions about copiers. And the office ma- and the, the person at the front desk says, we already have a copy. We're happy with who we got. Thanks. Bye. Go away. We don't take people without an appointment. Go away. Yep. Correct. Absolutely. That's what probably well, eight or nine out of 10 would do. And, and I could say when your copier breaks down Friday at four o'clock and you have 2,500 copies to make before five o'clock, who do you call? And she's going to stumble and not have an answer. Oh yeah. And I'm going to find out who the decision maker is because that's the person who's going to walk out of their office to talk to me. Yeah. That's a perfect example. So you and did so something. That, hang on, I'm not done the dynamic of it yet. Go ahead. I'm going to take out my business card. I'm going to write my cell phone by hand on the back of it. And I'm going to say, I'm the person that you would call because I'm going to get you those copies no matter if my ass falls off. If I got to go to a competitor and buy them from their machine or FedEx Kinko's and buy them, that's what I'm going to do to make sure you have your copiers done. We'll fix the machine, but we'll also get the job done. Whoa. That's a person I'm going to talk to, isn't it? Yeah. What you did there that was really interesting is you, first of all, you took a very different approach, right? Where you were- I take the value approach. Yeah, you take the value approach, but you disrupted her thought process, right? You walked in the door. Totally. She's ready to throw my ass out. Right. She's got the pre-formatted script. She sees sees you coming and she's like, oh man, this guy, I'm going to get this guy out of here quicker than the last guy. I'm going to set a world record on how fast I throw him out on his ass. So all of a sudden you disrupted her pattern and boom, you know, it made all the difference. Yep. I love that. That's a- There's another way of creating that. You ready for this? Yeah, absolutely. You're selling the copier. You walk in with 10 pieces of paper and a bottle of perfume and say, I have this Chanel 5, Chanel number no. 5 perfume, and I'm going to put it on the desk. I'm going to lay out 10 pieces of paper. Five are originals and five are copies. If you can pick out the five originals, I will give you this bottle of perfume. If you cannot, then you give me a meeting with the decision maker. Fair enough? <laughs> that's awesome. So there's, and I'm going to give the bottle of perfume anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a good one. This is the thing, you know, people I have people think they're so stupid. They're worried about getting to a decision maker and they have no game plan to get there. Well, you know, I think sometimes, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stupid people out there. Let's not misunderstand right. that. But I, I think there's also a lot of people that are just either lazy and are unwilling right. 
don't have that creative juice that you have, or maybe just don't have a mentor or a model. You know, maybe their sales manager is teaching them, you know, to beat their head against the wall the old way, right? And it hasn't evolved. I'm going to challenge you with this thought. Go ahead. Most people don't take their career seriously enough to invest time in it. I have the same amount of time that you do, Dennis. Yep. We both have 24 hours. The sales guy who goes home at night after his five o'clock job gets home at 5.30, plays with the kids, eats dinner, and then drinks beer and watches television until 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, that guy's a failure. Or he's going to lose to someone who after dinner puts the kids to bed and then starts his LinkedIn account, his social media life, his posting value messages to customers about image and about all the things that copiers do, about service, about attitude, about productivity, about morale. This is a guy who's going to win as opposed to a guy who says, well, they don't pay me enough. You know, I'm just a copier salesman. My boss is kind of a jackass and they have a new comp plan. Now that means I make less money. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you hit on something and it's something that, you know, I've been a huge fan of for many, many years. And that is, you know, personal development. And I don't mean rah-rah personal development, you know, and motivational stuff. I'm talking about personal development in and around particularly sales and marketing, right? I've been a student. One of the things that, you know, that I've been blessed with is the fact that I take business as almost like a lifelong college, right? Where I'm a lifelong learner. I constantly am learning. You know, so the fact that you may or may not be surprised, but I've personally invested over a hundred thousand dollars into my own education after college, right? Right. And you know what? There's a reason that you have a podcast that you're broadcasting and thousands of people are listening to the podcast that you're broadcasting. You're taking a leadership position. You're automatically perceived by your listeners as a leader. And I emphasize the word listener because they don't have shit. They go home and drink beer and think they're doing something. Yeah. And, you know, that personal development route, you know, it wasn't always that way. I didn't take that leadership role. I was a follower first, right? Everybody wants to be a guru, an expert, you know, the next ninja of whatever, but they got to be practitioners first. And I think that takes being a follower. And, you know, and I've been a follower of your sales coaching and training for many years, as well as many other people. But I think that's an important part of it. And I appreciate you, you know, you sharing that copier component and how you were able to differentiate yourself. Because I think a lot of salespeople struggle with that. And I think if anybody here is smart, they're going to rewind this. They're going to listen to that. They're going to make it their own for their own industry. And, right. um, you know, they're going to, they're going to leverage that. Ice machines or it doesn't matter what you're selling. All equipment is exactly the same. How do people produce more? How easy is it to operate? How great is the service? Period. Everything else is bullshit, including (laughs) cost. Love it. All right. So listen, let's do this. Let's talk about that for one second, because this is always something that people will argue. And I'd love to hear your, I'd love to have you share your two cents, because I know what you're going to say, because I've read your books and I've listened to enough of your stuff. But talk about price for a minute. What most salespeople do is they come in, they pull their pants down, they drop their price. And they still lose the deal, even when they're cheaper. Talk to us about that for well, a minute. You lose the deal. Even if you win the deal, you lose your profit. Right. So somewhere in your conversation, you have to say to the customer, our prices are fair and our prices are firm. That sets the tone for the fact that there's something of value for me that I may not be getting from a competitor. That's number one. Number two, if the customer does not perceive more value in what you're selling than your competitor then all that's left is price. If you get hammered for price, it's because somebody thinks you're just like everybody else. 
and you blame the customer. Well, the guy buying a commodity. No, douchebag. You set it up as a commodity. Yeah. You could not create anything different about your product or your service that the customer perceived as different and more valuable, period. Absolutely. Well, one of the big mistakes that I made, and I think, you know, back in 2003, when I started my logistics company was I was coming into a new industry. Again, this was the logistics industry. And if you know anything about logistics, everything is sold on nickels and dimes per mile, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Right. So, you know, we started trying to compete like everybody else, you know, they'd say, well, you need to be a little cheaper. So what I learned to do, and this was my strategy, I'd love to hear your feedback on the first conversation early in that conversation, in the first three to five minutes of that conversation, I would say this, I would say, listen, Jeff, I got to get this out up front because I don't want to waste your time. We are rarely the cheapest, right? We're rarely the cheapest guy in the block. But if you're willing to spend the next 10 minutes with me, I'll explain to you why A, B, and C companies do business with us. Is that interesting? Yes. Yes. Great. And then at that point, if they kept talking, if they kept talking at that point, I knew that I had already overcome that or, you know, addressed it, not overcome it, but addressed it at least one time because I tell them if if price is your number one variable, then I'm probably not your guy. Right. We're never the cheapest price, Mr. Jones, but we're always the best value. And that's what I want to perceive when I'm talking to somebody. Right. I want the best value. Yep. You know, I can get a shit car. I can get a shit copier. I can get a shit computer. I can get a shit system. No, I want the best for my company. And usually the difference between okay and best is rarely 10%. Rarely. No, that's a great point. You look at it from the perspective of, I want, I want what is best for me, and I want what's best for my company. I also want what's easiest for me and easiest for my company to produce with, and something that's going to create harmony and camaraderie inside. I, I, you know, I want to have a, a group of people working with one another that actually like to do the work. So if I have that inside my environment, I'm going to win. And if you can help me create that, I'm going to select you. Otherwise, I'm going to go put it out for bids, the single dumbest way to buy anything on the planet. (laughs) Exactly. I agree 100%. Well, listen, I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to add to that part? Because I have two more questions and then we're going to wrap it up today. Well, we can always do another part. I'm I'm going to be doing more about competitive advantage because it's so non-understood in the environment. You know, you walk in with your value proposition and it's totally bogus. I'm going to charge companies to get away from that and get away from their marketing crap that doesn't mean anything or do anything with a a boring slide deck. You know, I'm going to be harping on competitive advantage for the next couple of years because it's not only is it a differentiator, it's a profit maker. And every single company on the planet wants to make more profit. All right. Well, knowing that I'm a fan, whenever you want to talk about competitive advantage, you cool. let me know and you're, you're, on, you. you're on the show, my friend. So Thank listen, you. two questions before we go. Um, yeah. These are questions that I ask everybody, you know, try to do uh, one minute or less. What's your favorite growth tool or strategy or software, not strategy, your favorite growth tool or software that you're using, whether it be an app or a SaaS product or something like that? The favorite thing that I do for growth is continue to expand my platform online, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or Facebook. I'm all over the social world. Our podcast called Sell or Die has a Facebook Live on Monday called Motivation Monday. Our podcast is now over 100,000 downloads a month because we focus on it. 
And you don't need a, a you don't need Salesforce.com to be more productive. You need your phone to ring more to be more productive. And your social platform will create opportunities for your phone to ring. Hallelujah. And LinkedIn is my home base. And I know that you you do a bunch on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, yep. and everywhere. So yep. so hey, I appreciate that. And what's Besides your book, right, or books, one of your 15, what's another book that you've read that maybe has helped you on your journey or you would recommend to the audience? I would recommend any older book. I just completed a book called Truthful Living, which is is a compilation of the first writings of Napoleon Hill, written in 1917, literally 20 years before Think and Grow Rich. Any early Napoleon Hill any Dale Carnegie, any Arson Sweat Martin, any Earl Nightingale, any one of those authors will have written material or verbal material in the, in the case of Earl Nightingale that is golden. And most of it you can now get for almost nothing. You can download stuff online because all the copyrights are gone. Go find something 100 years old if you want to learn something new. Love it. All right. Well, listen, Jeffrey, let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about what you got going on, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Stick me in the show notes, Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com, or the Gittimer Learning Academy.com, Gittimer Learning Academy.com, and that's all you need to know. I'm everywhere on social. You know, I'm either Jeffrey Gittimer or Gittimer. I can't accept you anymore on LinkedIn. I already have 29,000 connections. It's crazy. And LinkedIn only gives you 30,000. So I'm 29 plus. It's a little nutty, but you can follow me. Love it. I, I, I post every day. I will absolutely put those links to your social and to the gitimer.com in the show notes. Really Thank appreciate you. you being here. Absolutely loved it. And again, I'm going to, you know, I want to reiterate the fact that anytime you want to talk about, you know, competitive advantage or drop some sales knowledge, give me a call. I'd love to have you on the show. Dennis, my pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.